So dopamine is that cheerleader. But here's a big thing. If you can envision the reward, exercise is not always, it's not always easy to envision reward. Because if you are thinking about dopamine as the releasing in the anticipation of reward, you have to be able to visually see that there's a reward. It's time to get inside your own head. Begin with the psychology behind your behaviors. Infuse it with an acute understanding of self-awareness, emotion, storytelling, body language, and more. Then look at it all through the lens of the latest neuroscience research, broken down to its most digestible form. And you've arrived. Enhanced messaging, deeper connection, heightened influence, and a greater impact on the world. Welcome to the Amplify Podcast with Renee Rodriguez. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Amplify Podcast. And today, I want to jump right in. I want to say something that I have been wrestling with for the last several years, and I think it's a interesting statement. I'm just going to come right out and say it. I don't think happiness is the goal of life. There, I said it. And I think, you know, we've, we live in a country that we talk about the pursuit of happiness. I think most of us live a life trying to be happy. I think we use words like balance, and we use other words like fulfillment, joy, I want to say that I don't think happiness is the goal, and I want to take this podcast to really understand it, but I also want to dive into what we think happiness is oftentimes, which is dopamine, which really means it's the pursuit of dopamine. And dopamine, if you don't understand it, I want to dive into it in a little bit here, but is also the core of addiction, the core of what motivates us to do really, really big things. Dopamine is pretty awesome, and it can be a little scary. It's also really misunderstood. And so what I want to do is, is give you an understanding of how dopamine works, the pursuit of happiness, what I think the goal of life is, and help you have a functional model to work with when you finish listening to this. So when we think about the pursuit of happiness or pursuit of something big, in essence, what we're saying is we're looking for more dopamine. And dopamine is basically a neurotransmitter that plays a really key role in our brain's reward system. The release of dopamine is... This is where people misunderstand it. So dopamine, people used to think that it was in the achievement of a reward. So certain things are secreted there, but really it's secreted in the anticipation of reward. So when a person, when we think, we, and we encounter some sort of cue that predicts the availability of a reward or the possibility of a reward, let's say the sight or the smell of food, right? your favorite food, you smell it, you haven't eaten it yet. You see it, you haven't eaten it yet, but man, that your dopamine is just going through the roof, right? Or that girl you like or that boy you like, and you know, there's they send a you know, your text message goes off and you you hear that buzz or that ding noise. Joel, can you put a ding there? I don't know if you've got that there or not. But that noise is all triggering, just like Pavlov's dog. It conditions us to secrete dopamine. When the brain's dopamine neurons are activated, it leads to the release of dopamine into the synapse. Now, I don't want to get too technical. But the synapse is where two neurons meet. And they don't actually touch. There's a little space in between them. And in between them is where the neurotransmitters are secreted. And then some are transferred from one neuron to the next. And that's how we communicate information. And so there's a whole other thing behind that. And so that secretion of dopamine is basically associated with feelings of pleasure, of motivation. It also reinforces the behavior that's associated with it obtaining this reward. So if you're getting rewarded for smoking some sort of drug 
And guess what? That's where you're going to get more dopamine from that. And so that's where the beginning of addiction also plays in. And so it's also modulated by the by our stress level. So if we are higher stress or if, if stress can actually increase or even decrease the amount of dopamine, depending on context and what's going on. And so stress, this is another role. And I think I would probably do another podcast just on stress because I think it's such a critical piece to understand. When we're thinking about the development of addiction as it leads in terms of the reinforcements of behaviors and obtaining reward, dopamine is that big, big piece. So let's I'll give you a few examples of what secretes dopamine because I think this is important to understand. One, food and drink. So the sight and smell of food, taste of food, the drinks, all that can trigger dopamine in our reward system, if you will, leading to feelings of pleasure, motivation. And the motivation really is actually to consume more of it. And so it's not always good if it's not healthy foods. <laughs> Trust me, I know that one well. Sexual activity, the physical and emotional pleasure associated with sexual activity can trigger a release of dopamine. It reinforces the behavior leading to feelings, of course, of pleasure and satisfaction. Duh, right? I guess <laughs> you didn't need me to tell you that. Exercise is also a really, really good one. And you know, a lot of times we associate suffering and difficulty to, to exercise, but exercise actually secretes and releases dopamine. And that can lead to feelings of pleasure and motivation to continue exercising if you get to that place. And so dopamine is that cheerleader. But here's a big thing. If you can envision the reward, exercise not always, it's not always easy to envision reward. Because if you are thinking about dopamine as the releasing in the anticipation of reward, you have to be able to visually see that there's a reward. Visualize it. And so this is where vision science comes into play. If you go back to our previous our episode one, where you, where you can actually visualize and see. Sometimes you can actually see it physically. Sometimes you have to imagine it. But if you're exercising and you can't visualize any sort of positive outcome, it, it, it's hard for dopamine to secrete. Social interaction can also secrete dopamine. And so if you're spending time with your friends, people that you love, all of that can trigger dopamine, leading to feelings of happiness and well-being. These are all great things, happiness, well-being. Think about all of the stuff that's happening. And then, of course, finally, accomplishments, right? Accomplishments, like achieving some sort of a goal and achieving success or receiving recognition for one's efforts, all of that can trigger dopamine. And, of course, that leads to feelings of pleasure and satisfaction. And so dopamine's strong, and you have to understand its role. But I think what you have to think about is we have to rethink that it's not in the achievement of a, of a goal. It's in the anticipation of it. And for us to be able to anticipate some sort of reward, we have to be able to envision what that reward looks like, envision the outcome. When you think about that anticipation of reward, I want you to think about the, the concept of how, let's say, for example, we, want, we set a big goal to achieve a beach, to get a beach home, right? We all, we all want the beach home. That's the proverbial beach home. Let's call it the, your dream home, okay? And you go out there, and the moment you set this goal, you start feeling great. Dopamine on a chart starts going through the roof. And we know that it feels good. And there's the role of dopamine because you can visualize this big goal. You're feeling great. It's a cheerleader to say you can keep going. But what happens? I want you to think for it right now. Any big goal you've achieved, once you achieve it, what do you think happens to dopamine? Well, it starts to fall below baseline levels. Below baseline. That means that it's even lower than what you were feeling before. And so think about that. You achieve a big goal and dopamine was great all along the way and you get there and it plummets. So then you go, okay, well, you know what? Let's set another goal and let's get a bigger beach house. Let's go get a bigger car. Let's do something bigger, bigger vacation. Who knows? Whatever it is. And man, dopamine starts going again. 
And once you get there, of course, what happens? It plummets again. And then we search and we plummet. We search, dopamine plummets, and we search and plummet. And there's sort of this up and down process throughout our entire life begins to sort of shape what we do. And so when we think about happiness and why those sort of moments up at the top, why I say happiness I don't think is the goal is because happiness is fleeting. It comes and it goes. It's unpredictable sometimes. It's also controlled by external events. It's something sometimes we can't control. And if we think about it, happiness isn't much of our life. In fact, most of our life is in a struggle. If you go look, go back to the dopamine example and the search for the, the big goal and think of any time you've achieved something big, it was a struggle. There was a level of suffering that was involved there. And as you pursued it, dopamine, as you suffered in the pursuit of something because you visioned it, dopamine rewarded you. But then you didn't have it and it goes away. And then you look back upon your life and you've achieved all these great things. And then, but you start asking yourself, okay, so where's the happiness here? Because every time I did something, it was gone. You pull out your laptop, you get to the home and say, wow, this is great. Whew. And you open up your laptop and you start searching for the next one. I remember for myself, I think it was 20, probably 28 years ago, I held my first chief executive magazine. It felt like 28 years ago. Maybe it was, it was right when it first came out. And I thought to myself, I said, wow, this is a magazine that goes to all of my potential clients. And I was trying to figure out how can I get in front of CEOs, decision makers. And I'm thinking they're all in one magazine. And if I can get myself in this magazine, whew, my life is set. Well, 28 years later, about four months ago, I ended up in Chief Executive Magazine. And actually the online version. I also was in Inc. and Fast Company, Forbes, Men's Health, and Maxim. But I remember when I got Chief Executive, I got so happy. I was like... <laughs> look at my wife and I'm like, wow, babe, look at this. I finally, you know, got a little tear in my eye and I'm like, I made it. And I'm just starting to think 28 years of this is sort of in the making. And then I noticed it was my fat photos is what they chose in there. For some reason, all our outdated photos that I had just spent years trying to not look like this guy, they put those photos in there. And I'm thinking, I'm happy, happy. And I'm like, wait, what are they using our fat photos? And I started getting upset. Can you call them and see if they can't switch this out? And all of a sudden the moment of happiness was gone. 28 years for that fleeting moment. Now, am I saying that I don't think we should go after big goals? I'm not saying that at all. I like big goals. I like going after big things. Those are all awesome things. Do that. Trust me, I will too. I like toys. But we have to think a little deeper in this process. We have to think a little bit deeper of how we pursue these things. And so when we think about the pursuit of all of these things and what we're going after, we have to think about that there's more to it than just reaching the goal. There's the process by which we reach the goal and who we become. And most of that process is suffering. Most of that process is sacrifice. It's discipline. And in fact, when you think about the distance between or things that are happening in between those fleeting moments of happiness, ask yourself, what's going on for a minute? So here, I have this whole life, I suffer, I suffer, I suffer to achieve a moment that's gone, and I'm back down to zero. Okay, so go after a goal. So I suffer, I suffer, I suffer, sacrifice in the pursuit of something, and I'm done. This is where that midlife crisis comes into play, where you look back upon your life and say, wow, I got all this stuff, but who am I? What did I do? What's missing there is a sense of purpose. It's a sense of fulfillment. And the thing that is happening in between the fleeting moments of happiness is your life. And so here we've spent our entire life suffering for the pursuit of happiness, yet if, that, if I felt that that was the goal, then I feel lied to because it came and it went. So we can't have that as the goal. 
And in fact, you can also avoid suffering, which I think is okay. It's, it's in fact, most of life I think is suffering. And I think it's okay. I think it's more than okay. I was looking at this and I remember studying this in college that Mother Teresa actually was, I mean, we all know who Mother Teresa is. And one of the things that she was always known for was her belief that suffering was the fastest way or the best way to get to Christ or to God. And she's been ridiculed for that. But So one of the things that she believed that suffering was the sort of united us with, with Jesus and with Christ. And those who suffered, right, because he suffered on the cross for supposedly our sins, right, our humanity's sins. And I say supposedly I'm just to, to honor whatever it is that you believe. But if we willingly accept the suffering, we can participate in the redemptions of the suffering and draw closer to him. She also believed that suffering had a purifying effect on the soul. This is what she believed. And that through suffering, we could actually purify ourselves and the sins and the selfishness. And so we could become more like Christ. And then she also believed that through suffering, we learned empathy, compassion, and we become more loving and caring towards others. And so that's why she believed in the act of serving the poor. And in suffering was the most direct way to serve God and by caring for the poor and suffering, we could show our love for God. And so this is what, what she believed. Now, she, this is also what some people are saying is keeping her from being canonized or becoming a saint. Because maybe she took it too far. Now, I don't know if you know, I heard this number one where, don't quote me on this, but it was something that she ran a $29 million budget. That's a pretty substantial budget. And if you ever saw the homes there, they were pretty hard, harsh living. But in her mind, this was the closest way to get there. Now, do I believe that? I don't know. I don't have an answer for that. I definitely don't like suffering in that sense. And I definitely don't think that that's the life that I've chosen. So I'd be a hypocrite if I said that I was. But I think I understand that. And I did read one place somewhere that the word toil, hard work, sweat of the brow, was one of the most used words in the Bible. It's one of the most commonly used phrases. And so there's something about hard work in there, right? Suffering, hard work. And so I'm, here I am trying to navigate my way through understanding this. And so when you think about this next piece, I wanted to say, okay, then I think I want to define what suffering is for myself. What is suffering? So I looked up in the dictionary and it says that suffering is a state of experiencing pain, distress, or hardship. Okay. So experiencing pain, distress, and hardship. I can see that in a lot of parts of my life. I suffered getting up after being really tired. I'm kind of suffering right now because I'm tired. <laughs> I'm legit tired, but this podcast needs to get done and I travel tomorrow. And so now this pushing through, because I want to be in bed, but pushing through to talk about something that's also important to me can be a form of suffering, right? Because I'd much be nice, it'd be way nicer to be in bed. But I also know that the outcome of this is going to be something that's much more important than happiness sense of fulfillment. Now, where suffering gets into the bigger pieces, it's also multifaceted, right? It can be physical, it can be emotional, psychological, and sometimes even spiritual in its nature. And so all of this, these wide range of factors, you know, even illness and injury or loss or trauma, all can be associated with suffering. And so I go, okay, how am I looking at this? Well, if happiness isn't the goal, because most of my life isn't really all that happy, it's usually in sacrifice of some sort, pushing towards something, so there's something bigger than happiness. There's that sense of fulfillment, something that's a lot more important, I believe. And so there was a great quote. I heard this somewhere. And it said that when the flood comes, I want to be the one who built the ark. And I thought about that. And I said, wow, okay, that's, that's a powerful phrase. And, but I love it. 
when the flood comes, I want to be the one who built the ark. So what does that mean to me? The flood, the proverbial flood to me is any sense of adversity, challenge, pain, uh, struggle, a pandemic, inflation, who knows, people's fear. Someone is in the flood of their life. Am I of any use in that moment? That's what I had to ask myself. Am I of any use? And if I spent a life trying to be just happy, it can turn into somewhat of a selfish life. Because let's say I just sitting in the corner meditating and the flood comes and said, hey, Renee, what do you got? I'm like, what? Uh, actually, I got not much to offer here because I've just been in the corner trying to be happy, focusing on myself. Well, you're, you really have no use in that moment. But the person who's been sacrificing, working hard and building something to be of use when the flood comes, when the adversity comes. Now that person, that to me is what more of what life is about, to be of utility. But really, utility so that I can serve other people. Think about the times that you have served someone and how it felt to you. Going to, let's just say volunteering, keep it simple, right? Volunteering for a church, volunteering at a, at a food shelter, a homeless shelter, that's serving. But what was it? How did it feel? Or someone comes to you in just their time of need. How did you feel? I would venture to say you felt something way more important than happiness. You might have felt sadness, but you knew it was important for you to be there. You knew you were needed. You knew that you could make an impact. You could make an, a difference with someone. And so there's a lot of ways to think about that. You know, when the flood comes, you know, I want to be the one who built the ark. To me, it's I want to, and if I have to suffer most of my life to be of use, when it's most important, I'm okay with that. You know, who knows right now? But maybe right now you're listening to this and, and maybe this is something you needed to hear. That you can reframe the suffering in your life and maybe reframe to say, you know what, suffering's okay. Putting the hard work in. I suffer in the gym so I feel better and I can move. I suffer in the kitchen so that I don't gain weight and I live longer so I can be with my kids. So I suffered, so, but I'm looking at my kids. I gave blood this morning. And one of the things I've never had was, was a, a low heart rate. It was one of the things that, for some reason, I just got, look, my heart rate's you know, around 90, even just sitting there. But I've been working out harder, been doing some things for the last few months, several months, actually, more than that, maybe last year, half a year. And they measured my blood, or my heart rate, and it was at 68. I haven't never heard that number. I had to measure it again. I said, ah, something's got to be wrong. Measured again, 71. It's like, okay, hold on a second. Like, that was actually really cool. And you know that little smile that I have, that little uptick in my voice? That was, it's called dopamine. <laughs> and so I, I wrote this other quote down. I want to read this. I was listening to Dr. Jordan Peterson. Just before this, it was ironic. I was scrolling TikTok and he literally said this. You don't experience joy in achieving a goal. You don't experience joy or happiness in achieving a goal. You're experiencing joy, he said, when positing a goal. Really, positing means when setting and proclaiming, I'm going after this goal. That, and when you experience any level of progress towards the goal that you can envision, that's where joy comes into play. Dopamine. Fascinating to me. I mean, think about that for a minute. We don't experience it in achieving the goal. We experience it in setting and making progress towards the goal. And so that leads to also the bigger the goal, the bigger the reward. Dopamine-wise. Happiness, fulfillment. All of that comes from the bigger goal because when we set something bigger, the more difficult it is, the better it feels when you achieve it and accomplish it. 
the more fulfillment that's there. Man, I mean, just, I guess this podcast is more of a philosophical exploration because, I mean, even though I've been talking about this nonstop, there's a lot there because we have to start thinking about and reframing suffering and stop trying to pursue happiness. I want to kind of make my case against why happiness, right? Why, why happiness shouldn't be the goal. A lot of times it's considered like the goal of life, right? And for a lot of people, but some can argue that at least I'm arguing right now that it's not the ultimate goal. So the reasons, right? A lot of them can vary, but first one, it's fleeting and it's temporary. Happiness comes and it goes. It's, you think you have it and then it's gone. It could be dependent on external circumstances. It could be affected by some changes in your life. It's often not even a constant state of being. And I got to tell you, and I think we all know this, it's hard to sustain long-term. So it's hard because oftentimes out of your control. It's not typically fulfilling when it's just alone. Just being happy isn't fulfilling. People may find fulfillment and meaning in life through other pursuits, such as like you know personal growth, serving others, in the pursuit of knowledge or even creativity and creation, building something. Those are things that really bring us fulfillment and joy. That's just, to me, way, way better. It can also be very self-centered. Happiness can be focused on us and very selfish. And I think when you focus solely on happiness, it leads us to be come from a self-centered perspective where even our own happiness is prioritized over the well-being of others. And to me, the universe seems, well, I'm going to take care of myself. I got to take care of myself. Now, I'm all good with that. I am good with that. And I think we do need to have self-care, self-love, all that stuff. But sometimes, you know what? We need to give up a little bit so that we can help someone. And I guarantee you, I think you'll feel a lot better when you give the shirt off your back, when you help somebody. There's something to that. And now again, I'm not looking for balance here, but I'm not looking for extremism either. So be careful in this pursuit of self-centered happiness. It's... uh it's not there. And the fifth one reason I'd probably say is that happiness isn't a universal goal. It's, it's, it's defined differently by everyone. We all have different values, different beliefs. We have different goals. And for some, happiness may not be that ultimate goal. And I just don't know how it can be. So that, to me, is sort of my case against happiness. And so when we look at the difference, because I, I want to talk about happiness, fulfillment, and purpose, because they're, they're very closely related, but they have different meanings and implications. So happiness is this positive emotional state. It's usually characterized by feelings of, of contentment, of satisfaction, of well-being. It's often associated with pleasurable experiences, obviously, and positive events. But it can also be affected by one's thoughts, how we believe, and even our perspective. We're going to perspective being the, the narrative that we play. Like the narrative you choose or that you choose to believe can have a big impact on your happiness. But when we get into fulfillment, that refers to a sense of satisfaction or a sense of completing something. So it's that satisfaction and completeness that comes from achieving a goal, an aspiration, and even, and this is one I think that's underutilized, it's the reaching of our full potential. We get into Maslow's hierarchy, the self-actualization, the actualization of self, the what can I do? And I think the pursuit of what I'm capable of, my potential, is right up there as one of the goals for life, I believe. Now you can take a spiritual approach to that, and say that, you know, there's gifts that God gave you. And part of our goal is to utilize the gifts to make this a better place. I like that. But making a better place usually entitles serving someone. So whether or not you believe in that or not, do you find truth in that? And if you do, then maybe explore that a little bit more. It's also associated with a sense of accomplishment and the realization of our talents and abilities. Think about that for a minute. 
when you know what your talents and abilities are, think of the feeling. One of the goals of our Amplify course is to help people understand their personal values, but then find out how do they express those and what they're already good at. The connection of those two, my story, who I am, and what I do is really when purpose starts to really, 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 really take shape. When you're talking about purpose now, we're referring to the reason for which something or someone exists. It's the reason why we're here. The purpose, it's a big question. It's the intent or the goal behind the actions or the decisions that we make. It's often associated also with a sense of direction, a sense of meaning, and a strong connection to our values. Direction, meaning. So it's like the meaning of life and the direction that I'm going, but also our values are right there. So all of this work is critical in understanding. And if you're not doing this, I invite you to start thinking about these things. What are your personal values? In fact, I'm gonna, I'll add something in the, in the show notes of, of uh, an exercise that you can do. We'll, we'll, we'll get it out of the Amplify piece on and, and, um, identifying your values. So if you think about it in summary, happiness is that positive emotional state. Fulfillment is a sense of satisfaction or completeness. But purpose is the reason for which something exists or the intent or goal behind an action or a decision. So when we think about happiness and fulfillment, they can be related, but achieving one's goals and aspirations lead to that feeling of happiness. So, but happiness isn't always fulfilling. I can tell you things, times I've been really happy, but I was like, it felt empty. Man, I was really happy I got this truck, but okay, for what? I mean, it felt happy for a little bit, but it didn't feel purposeful. Now, purposeful brings meaning. It brings a sense of direction to life, and it can lead to that sense of fulfillment. But again, it doesn't guarantee happiness. And so I want to move into what I believe is the goal, and I kind of shared it with you. It's to be of service to others. But first, to be of utility. And to be of service, you have to have something that you can serve, which means you have to be useful, which means you have to have skill. You have to do something. To get skill, you have to sacrifice. You have to suffer. You have to either go to school, learn a trade, work out hard, whatever it is. To be useful, you have to work hard. So there was that word toil again. You're starting to see how all of this kind of correlates together. The benefits to living a life of service or, and, and I'm not saying like, you know, quit your job. I, I'm definitely not doing that. But can I serve people in my work? And I, and I want to talk about this. Simon Sinek made very famous the why piece. And I thought it was, it was really good. And I think there's more to it than that. And it's not where he was going. So I'm going to take this down a different path. The why is awesome, but I don't think that's why you're remembered. People aren't remembered for their whys. You know, the people like my, my Apple had a great why. And I know the people that had great whys, but they were also jerks in the pursuit of what they did. So their how, they were jerks. You may have this why that you believe that you're called to do X, Y, and Z, and you want to change the world, but that why doesn't justify you being a dickhead. <laughs> doesn't justify you being an asshole. But I know a lot of people with a strong why that are just jerks every single day. And guess what? Guess what they are remembered as by the people that they worked with of being a jerk. And so the how is, if not more important than the why. I know people that aren't really clear on their why, but they are good people every single day. And I'm going to remember them as a good person. They may not have a strong why, but if you need them, they're there. They're there to serve. They're there to sacrifice. They're there to be good to you. They'll protect now, having both, yes, awesome. But the end does not justify the means. 
My mother, she watched a culturally Catholic country turn communist in six months in Cuba. And she watched how they did it. And at the time, she believed that it was okay for people to die for the cause. It was okay for people to die for the, for the revolution. And then she watched as people killed their way into power. And the thought was, well, if we kill our way into power, don't worry. Once we get there, we'll be peaceful. So that what happened. If you kill your way into power, and then you're in power, and someone confronts you, you go to what you've been practicing, which is killing. And so she learned a long time ago, and this stuck to me since I was a kid, that the way in which we pursue something should reflect the end vision, meaning the end does not justify the means. I think somewhere it says the road to heaven needs to be heaven. And so this how is critical. And here's the other part. The how is the only time you're alive because the how is when you're doing things. The how is right now. How am I living? How am I treating you? Those are actions. Those are verbs. Those are things that I'm doing. So the how of your life, to me, that's everything. And so living a life of purpose has a lot of benefits. One of them is, of course, personal growth. I think that we grow. When we help others, we we promote our own personal growth. We build a sense of self-awareness, which you know my take on self-awareness, one of the most critical skills. It allows us to understand and gain a deeper understanding of even our own values, our own beliefs, and our priorities because we feel them now instead of just intellectualizing them. We live them. I think it, living in service or serving other people increases our empathy and compassion. I know a lot of people that are friends of mine, people I work with that struggle with empathy, strong business people. One of the things we tell them all the time is go serve, go give, do something. Those are the things that increase compassion. Go see the opposite of life. See what real pain and suffering is. It'll humble you really quick. And so when we develop a sense of empathy and compassion for others, and then we can also kind of come to understand and appreciate the struggles and the challenges that others face. And we, sometimes we live in this bubble thinking that life is just like this. It's not. There's a very different experience out there, and we should go out and experience it. And it also leads to a sense of fulfillment and purpose. We're back to those two words. When you serve, you definitely feel a lot more fulfilled, and you definitely find purpose because you know that purpose leads to impact. Think about that. Service to others can provide individuals that sense of purpose and fulfillment, but also it's because we make positive impact on the lives of other people. That word impact, and this is, remember the word impact is at the core of what we believe around influence. Influence is about your significance in the world. Because if you don't have impact, if you don't have influence, you have no impact. If you have no impact, you have no purpose. You feel insignificant. Anything you do has no impact around you. So why am I even here? But all of a sudden, I have influence and I'm doing things and the world changes. That's at the core of it. Obviously, it also improves mental and physical health. I mean, there's lots of studies that link that mental and physical health, how it reduces stress and improves our mood, even increases our self-esteem. We increase social connections, which actually right now is linked to living a longer life. The more social connections and close relationships we have, the longer we live. And when we connect with others in our community, we start to foster that sense of belonging and mutual support. When you feel like you belong to something bigger, it leads to actually a happier, more fulfilling life. And then lastly, which I think is really cool, we create a positive impact on our communities, the community around us. My mother used to always say, community is the answer. What's the question? And so when we think about that positive impact on others, how we might even affect social issues, maybe even improve the well-being of other people, improve their self-esteem. So all of those things start to coming into play. And so let's wrap this up. Since I said happiness, I don't believe is the goal. That pursuit of dopamine can be fleeting and can be misleading. 
a promise that never actually delivers. So we have to think beyond that to think about, okay, my why is good, get me started. It'll push me through difficult times. But the how is how I treat people. It's how I'll be remembered. The how is my legacy. The how is the sum total of the actions and the accumulation of all the actions of how I treat people and the things that I do. I know a lot of people that accomplished a lot, but the way in which they accomplished them wasn't all that nice. We remember that. Yeah, they did a lot, but they were this way. So I want you to start thinking beyond just happiness. I want you to start reframing suffering and start thinking that maybe a little suffering is okay. If you're going into a tough market, say good. Just like Jocko likes to say, good. That's a frame. But to say, you know what? I'm going to get stronger, better, and wiser as a result of this. And you can't avoid the ups and downs of life. You just can't. Some people, when they're in the downs of life, they think that's all there is. Or when they're in the ups of life, they think this is going to be this way forever. It's not how it works. Life and business are like the seasons. They're in a cycle. And they've been that way since the beginning of time. So since happiness isn't the goal, I believe that being of utility is the goal so that we can actually offer value and serve other people. When you figure that out, I think you'll find something much bigger. And again, I'll end with that phrase that I think kind of sums it up. That in the end, I want to be the one that when the flood comes, I want to be the one who built the ark. So what ark are you building? What ability to help are you creating? What service do you have to offer? Are you willing to give it or do you hold it to yourself? These are all big questions that we all need to wrestle with. Thanks for tuning in today. I appreciate it. If you like this, please share it. Please uh, share it with your colleagues, post it on social media, and all the good stuff. And obviously, uh, subscribe to this. If you're looking at Amplify, let us know. Reach out. Send me a message. Follow me on Instagram at Learn with Renee. We do two videos a day there. We're doing all sorts of fun stuff. If you haven't read the book, get the book. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate you guys. Thank you for sharing this time with us. If the experience resonated with you, follow us on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or AmplifyMyLife.com. Share it with anyone else who's ready to amplify their lives. And remember to let our hearts speak in sequence. For more from Renee Rodriguez, visit MeetRenee.com. Renee.com.